you are standing, you may take a seat in upstairs, downstairs, wherever, wherever it is you're watching with us. If you've got the lazy boy recliner going, Pastor Keith and Janet, uh, you can kick the legs out now. It's all good. Um, shout out to our senior ministers. They're, they're uh, I believe, at home watching from uh, uh, their lounge room this morning. And uh, they, they wanted to make sure there were seats available for those who wanted to be here, which is awesome. Not that they didn't, obviously. Joshua chapter 3 says this, it says, Early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left Acacia and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River where they camped before crossing. Three days later, the Israelite leaders went through the camp giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, follow them. Since you have not traveled this way before, how much more relevant can the Bible be than this year, right? Like, we, we have not traveled this way before. If someone had just prophesied at the start of the year, like, this is going to be a year, you haven't done this year before, like, you've done nothing like 2020 before, just keep your eyes on Jesus. You're going to get through. Um, it would have been super helpful. Uh, and then Joshua said, you know, they will guide you. Stay about a half a mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the ark. Make sure that you don't come any closer. And then Joshua said, uh, or told the people, purify yourselves. So tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. Are you expectant? Yeah. Well, I have, I have one expectant person up here. One. Are you expectant? Yeah. Has God changed? Like, uh, uh, do we expect God to do great things through us? Or are we waiting for him to do great things through someone else because we doubt ourselves? When did it become about us? Like the Israelites were some of the most imperfect uh, demonstrations of the people of God that we ever come across. And yet we discount ourselves from God being able to do great things through us. And we live our life with such a limited expectation that God is calling us to a purpose of greatness, of revealing his kingdom to those around us in such a way that it is undeniable that the God we talk about is the real living one true God. And we wake up and we're like, yeah. We come to church, we're like, yeah. God is going to do great things among you. In the morning, Joshua said to the priests, lift up the Ark of the Covenant. Lead the people across the river. And so they started out. And so they started out. And you know, we've just come out of vision. Uh, if you haven't had a chance, I encourage you to get on YouTube. Uh, go back and watch uh, the, the three messages where uh, Pastor Keith and, and I outline what we believe God is saying to our church and where he is leading us. Uh, because this series that we have gone into after vision is about the reality that we are stepping out. We are stepping out with the purpose of crossing over into a new season. And we need to be careful that we understand how to cross successfully. We don't cross successfully because we have every path and every step uh, all worked out. No, we make our plans and God directs our steps, right? We, we, we follow where God is leading. That's the, that's the very essence of this passage of Scripture is that Joshua's instruction was not step here, go there, do this, do that. His instruction was follow the ark, follow the Lord, follow Jesus. And often... You know, I was, a, I was a teacher, as many of you would know, for 10 years before I uh, came into ministry more full time. And we used to do uh, year nine camp. I remember distinctly, I was in charge of camps and I was in charge of year nine and 10, which was a, just an awesome and terrifying age demographic all at the same time. Uh, so I have a huge uh, amount of grace and support for our youth ministry. Uh, Pastors Earl and Christina are doing an incredible job 
at the moment in a really difficult season. Um, you su- support them, encourage them when you see them. But we used to do this one thing on camp, right, where we used to get all of the boys in year nine. Uh, who has year nine boys? Hey, right, yeah, we understand. Year nine boys are a unique species, right? I, I actually think they should be somewhat classified as different to human. I love them, but they are different, right? They're going through a transitionary zone and they lose a whole lot of elements that we would consider natural to humanity, like compassion and, um, and, 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 and a, a genuine thought process that has any sense of clarity to it. Uh, but we used to get all the year nine boys and we would lead them on this, this kind of this, this run, right? You know, I love running. And so we'd just take them bush. And uh, we didn't do necessarily great risk assessments in those days. Pete McQuillan would turn uh, a blind eye, praise Jesus. But we would, we would run and we would try to teach them things along the way, right? So we'd, 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 we'd run and you got all the ones that think they're really awesome up the front. And so they would get somewhere really quick. And it's like, well, sometimes when you're out the front, you have to do things that others don't. And so I'd be like, first 10, you've got to give me 15 push-ups. But everyone else, you don't, right? Because leaders have to do things that, that others don't. Uh, or, 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 you know, we would make everyone wait until the last person came because it's no use getting somewhere if not everyone you're supposed to be taking with you gets there at the same time, right? It's no use you arriving if the rest of the, the body of Christ doesn't arrive at this. It's no use you arriving in heaven if your neighbor doesn't get there because you didn't take the opportunity that you had to tell them that God was real. I'm, I'm going to ruffle some feathers this morning. I'm just going for it, all right, because I'm, I'm just stirred that we, we, we're here on a purpose and COVID doesn't, doesn't discount that purpose. It doesn't take that purpose away. We're here to extend the kingdom of God, to let people know that it's real. That the things they're searching for in life, like contentment and value and peace and all of those things are found in the kingdom of God. Anyway, we would do this great run with the, with the year nine boys. And, and one of my favorite things to do was, was I, would, I would slightly slow down. And all the boys thought they were awesome because they thought I was getting tired. And they were all like, oh, we're not tired. We can keep going for days, right? And, um, and so they'd run ahead. And just as they got far enough ahead, I'd just stop and turn direction. Right, and I just changed. I just changed direction, and all the ones that thought they were awesome were way out in front. They were now miles away from kind of where we were going. And and the reality was, it was a lesson that it, it actually is of no advantage to get in front of the person that you're trying to follow. There is no advantage for us to go faster than the pace at which God is moving us. There is no advantage in you arriving at the level in your business. No use chasing a promotion that moves you further ahead of where God has called you to be and have influence. Because all you're going to do is get to a position where you are now operating out of your strength and your ability rather than His grace. And you're going to find that before you know it, your family you never see. And you're operating out of all of this extra emotional overload. And you're tired and exhausted. And maybe it's because you're in front of God because you were chasing something He never graced you to chase. Or maybe, maybe you step into a relationship before God has prepared you to be in that relationship. And before you know it, they're not satisfying you and they're not giving you the value that you think you need. And you, don't, you haven't learned along the journey that actually, actually those things come from God so that when we're in a relationship, we can give rather than need. And so it's so important for us to stay at a position where we are following Jesus and don't think somehow we're achieving in life if we get in front of what he's calling us to. I see too many people overreach their capacity and in doing so not make it. 
Why can't we be content with what God's called us to? Because what he's called us to, he's going to do great things through. When has it got to be our great things? When has his great things stopped being enough? You know, the Ark of the Covenant itself, right, it represents three things. And, and if you've picked up, this is kind of where we've been going with this series. We've been unpacking one of these things every week, right? To the Israelite nation, the Ark of the Covenant, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, Indiana Jones, it's a great reference. Um, the golden box, right, Ark of the Covenant. It's got the angels on top, the little cherubim. But it represented the power of God, right? To the, to the Israelite nation, it represented the very power of God, but it also represented his very manifest presence, right? Like the tangible place in which God was like, fire come down into the tent and sat right there on the Ark of the Covenant. So when they saw that, they immediately thought, oh, that's where God is. That's where God is. And, and because they knew he was all powerful, he's like, oh, where God is, that's where his power is. But the other thing that the Ark of the Covenant represented for people was this word called atonement. And it's a word that, you know, we don't necessarily talk about a lot in church. It's, it's one of those words that's kind of like, oh, that's difficult to explain. Uh, that's not going to translate to people that have never heard about Jesus before. So, you know, we're not, we're not really going to go there. But the truth is that atonement was hugely significant to the Israelite nation. It was, it was hugely significant to, to their relationship with, with God. And so much so that actually the entire lid of the Ark of the, of the, Ark of the Covenant is called the, the atonement cover. I love that because atonement actually means to cover. It was like a physical representation of what it did for them. So every time they looked at the Ark, they remembered what it did for them. I, I wonder how often we look at the cross and remember what it actually did for us. I wish we didn't have so many crosses with Jesus still on it because, you know, we've, we've gone beyond the cross in many senses of the word. But, you know, in, in, in Exodus it says this. It says, Then make the ark's cover the place of atonement from pure gold. Uh, it must be 45 inches long. There's all these instructions about us. Mold the cherubim on each end of the atonement cover. Make it all out of one piece of gold. That would have been you know, incredibly valuable. Um, probably speaks to how much value we should hold in the concept of, of atonement. But they, you know, these angels, these cherubim, they're going to face each other. They're going to look down inside the ark, um, across. Their wings are going to be spread out. Um, and right in the middle is going to be called the place of mercy. And then put the atonement cover on top of the ark. Put the, 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 the stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant inside. And, and this for me is just an amazing picture, right? You've got, you've got the terms of the covenant being covered by the atonement. And so the terms of the covenant, which, which, which were going to keep Israel, Israel in, in right standing with God, are already in physical representation covered by atonement. Reminding them that every time they, they, that they broke the the the, the kind of the, uh, lost the word totally. The, the terms, every time they broke the terms of the covenant, there was an opportunity for atonement. And put the cover on, uh, and then, you know, I will meet with you there and talk with you. I love that. The place at which we, we have atonement is a place at which we meet and talk with God. So what is atonement, right? Uh, atonement is a concept of a person taking action to correct previous wrongdoing on their part. Okay, uh, it's either through direct action to undo the consequences of that act, or it's this some some equivalent action to do good for the other person of some other expression of feelings of remorse. So it's, it's you are trying to make up for what you have done. 
an equal or greater value. That, that is the essence of atonement, to make up for what you have done. And I thought that the idea of atonement is best represented in, in the context of relationships. So I've got some volunteers this morning. We're going to do this as COVID safe as we can. Uh, but Ron and Trish, can you come up and, and don't shake hands yet. Just If you can just stand in that spot we talked about and we're going to try to get you on camera. Uh, and if, if, if you need to focus on them and I'll just be like a voiceover, that works too. Um, but this, this is the reality, right? In relationship, we often hurt the other person or, or we will do something that, that breaks sometimes the unspoken terms of, of that, that, that relationship. And, and for the person who did that, they need to atone. But for there to be reconciliation in the relationship, it's not just atonement. It's a two-sided thing, right? And so the one who has been hurt needs to extend forgiveness. And so we can't talk about atonement without talking about forgiveness. So I thought the easiest way to give you a visual demonstration of this would be to say that, that when it comes to a reconciliation of relationship, it's like this beautiful handshake between atonement and forgiveness. So in this case, we've got Ron, who's obviously done something uh, that has hurt Trish. Um, and so Ron is reaching out where I don't know that would never happen right those of you that know Ron you know um, right so we've got we've got atonement reaching out but if if there's no forgiveness extended then all there is is Ron holding his hand out right he can atone but the relationship isn't reconciled unless the other person is also willing to accept that atonement and then reach out with forgiveness and so so to have reconciliation reconciliation in relationship we need atonement and forgiveness. So it's great that there is atonement, but we have to understand something about God and His forgiveness to realize how this relates to our life. So you, if you guys are all right, just stand there for a little while like that, um, just representing this concept that we're talking about. So for the Israelites, the Israelites had a system. God didn't just give them these, these terms of covenant, which we call the law of the Old Testament, right? God gave them a system to ensure that when they broke it, right, God had no expectation that they would be able to keep the law because that wasn't what the law was for. The law wasn't for them to be perfect. The law was actually to protect them and, and kind of guard them in so they could so they would be protected as the people of God in their behavior and things, right? So, so God also in the law built in a system for atonement because, you know, if that wasn't the case, he obviously would have had an expectation they could keep it, but he didn't. And so he also gave them a system for when you break it, right? It's like, it's like when, not if. So when they broke it, what they would do once a year, they would have the Day of Atonement. And the high priest would take a bull, right? And, 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 and he, would, he would sacrifice the bull and he would, he would take some of that blood and he would pour it on that very spot on the Ark of the Covenant called the Place of Atonement. And what that would do, that sacrifice would satisfy or would atone for, would bridge, would, would be the handshake back towards God, making up for the breaking of covenant. Because we have to understand, we don't think sin is that bad. But in the eyes of God, the only way to bridge the gap of sin is actually death. The scriptures say that the wages of sin are death. The atonement required for sin is the atonement of blood sacrifice. And we think that's like, uh, huh, that's a little bit intense this morning. Um, but that's why, that's why, right, when he gave them the law, he gave them this system. And he's like, listen, once a year, take a bull, sacrifice it on your behalf. That death will satisfy for one year. It will atone. And I will reach out with my hand and forgive because you have atoned. And so there could be reconciliation. 
who's glad we don't live under that system anymore in, in church, right? Like, I'm really happy that when it comes to sacrificing a bull, it's all about my hamburger or my steak on the barbecue and not about my relationship with Jesus. But that's, that's the whole point, right, is that there was a new covenant. There was a new way for us to relate to God. And, and if you don't know what the word covenant means, it's very simple, the way we relate to God, the way in which we can relate to God. There was a, there was a system of laws. Now there is something different. It's, it's better. It's amazing because Jesus came and he died on a cross, right? And, and Hebrews 7 says this, unlike those other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices every day. Speaking of Jesus, right? He's, he is a high priest, but he doesn't have to do this. Why doesn't he have to do this? Well, they did this for their own sin first and then for the sins of the people. But Jesus, he did this once for all when he offered himself as the sacrifice for people's sins. So the, 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 the atonement that was required to bridge the gap of our sin was paid by Jesus on the cross, right? So now we live never needing to atone ever again if we believe in what Jesus did on the cross. There is a forever handshake of Jesus' atonement toward God for us forever it's incredible it's incredible Christ forever closed the chasm between us and God right he made up the gap between us and made access and relationship available again and so we now no longer have to live according to these the guidelines and the laws that we read about in the Old Testament that was just one way to relate to God we have a new way to relate to God it's through Jesus it's our faith in Him, believing that what He did on the cross is enough. Now, I find it incredibly interesting because right at His point of death, Scripture says the curtain tore. The curtain is the very thing that articulated, it demonstrated, it like tangibly showed the separation between the place in which God existed right inside the very the, the, the center point. It's called the Holy of Holies and where the Israelite nation could actually go in. And it tore apart once and for all, removing what separated us from God. Christ's death forever tore or, or, or got rid of the gap between us uh, and paid for the judgment of sin and its debt of death forever. And now Christ's hand is forever extended, atoning forever for any and every sin. And all that requires of us to be restored to God is an acknowledgement and an application of what Christ has done and an acceptance of his hand of forgiveness toward us. Do you know how, do you know how we receive and apply his atonement? Acknowledgement. Acknowledgement of us and acknowledgement of him. We can't, we can't, we can't apply atonement for sin we don't, we don't acknowledge in our lives, right? It's like you, we, we've got to come to God and acknowledge, hey, I, I still sin but that atonement's still there. And therefore I can come to you and I can receive your forgiveness because I know that's still there too. So, so that was my introduction. Um, <laughs> so we arrive at the question of, well, then how do we follow atonement, right? <laughs> like this, the whole message is meant to be about follow, Pastor Nate. Um, it's good, it's good. You know, I, I think Pastor Keith touched on this, but I can't, I can't help but come back to it. Um, I think it's worth noting that Joshua tells the nation not to get too close to the ark. We've got to wonder what does that mean for us in 2020, 
We don't have a golden box, right? But we, ha- we, ha- we have the glory of God. We have his manifest presence and power. And I think it's important for us to recognize that it, I really believe that means that we, we need to be careful we don't get too familiar. That we don't, we don't, we don't underestimate and therefore devalue uh, the, the presence of God. That we, that, we, that, we don't, that we don't just get too close and normal with it. Take it for granted. We recognize actually that it is, it, it's still a place of holiness. God is still holy. God is still perfect. God is still God. And yes, we've been welcomed in as sons and daughters and we've got incredible relational privilege in that place, but, but he's still God. And I just think it's worth noting that we should never get too familiar or too flippant with his presence. But for me to follow means three things. It means that, that something goes before us, right? It means that we never get ahead of it and that we let it lead us, right? It can be confusing to say, how do, how do we follow atonement? But to say, no, 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 we always keep atonement in front of us gives us meaning of how we approach God, right? Because if it always goes before us, we get to live in a place knowing that our sins are forever atoned for. Atonement is already in front of us. The handshake is already extended, right? I don't need to live under the guilt and shame of my sin anymore. It's totally been paid for. It has, it, that, Christ has made up the gap that I created. Ultimately, the judgment of God has been satisfied against me. As long as I receive what Christ did, his judgment has been satisfied. So that means that I get to have a confidence. I get to have a boldness. I don't need to live my life trying to make up for my mistakes. I now live my life from a position of, of, of that being made up and I can move forward with purpose. So my purpose is now no longer atonement. My purpose is to extend his kingdom. I don't, I'm not trying to get back to him. I'm going from him into the world, right? So because atonement goes before me, I'm not trying to bridge the gap. I'm coming in behind it going, whoa, where are we going? And too many of us live our lives trying to atone for our mistakes, not applying the fact that Jesus has already done that and God already welcomes us in and he's waiting for us to move forward. So so many of us spend our time and our energy trying to make up for with God. God, am I good enough yet? It comes out in our prayer life where we spend all of our time praying about all the things we've done wrong. Now, I believe there's a place for acknowledgement and receiving the atonement, but I'm telling you, once we're there, it's like, okay, let's go. Let's, let's start praying for the purpose of God. Let's start praying for his kingdom to come here on earth as it is in heaven. Hebrews says this, it says, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Right? We don't need to come in fear. We don't need to come in like all cautious. No, 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 no. We, th- We're not going to get struck down. We're not going to get judged. We've been atoned for. We've been atoned for. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. So that's that's how atonement goes before us. It, It constantly enables our access. It constantly enables our access. And you know what? We never get beyond it. We never get beyond it. We should never think that at some point in our life, we're going to get beyond needing to apply the atonement of Jesus to our life so we have access. I I live under no uh, weird expectation that somehow I'm never going to need to, to, to have the handshake of Christ out in front of my life to God. 
No, I live thankful that it's there all the time, right? I I never get to a point where I expect that I'm going to just never need to atone for anything. And as soon as I do, I remove the price that Christ paid. And now the only price to be paid is my life. And so I remove the sacrifice that was necessary and I bring it back onto myself. And so if I ever think I get beyond the atonement of Christ, I'm equally saying that, well, then I'm, I'm going to take the judgment. That's a scary place to be. But because we never get beyond it, there's no fear of judgment. Because Christ's atonement is in front of us, there's no fear of judgment. I don't need a fear that God's going to judge me when I come into his presence. I get to come in knowing I've been atoned for. I've been made right. I'm clean in his eyes. His atonement allows us fellowship in relationship. It allows us access to him personally, profoundly and powerfully. We are able to meet with him right there in our atonement and receive forgiveness and fellowship, speaking with God, abiding with God, just being with him. Crazy notion that we we can just be with the God of the universe. That is why atonement must always go before us. It's why we must never think that in, in somehow there's a level of maturity where, where, where we can get beyond it. And lastly, we need to let it lead us. We need to actually let atonement lead us. First place it leads us is back to God. The first place it leads us is it, 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 it's about Jesus leading us back to God. That's the whole premise of this new covenant. It's the whole premise of the new way we relate to God is that actually Jesus' death on the cross leads us back to God and, and there is no way to the Father except through the Son. But, but let, I, I don't want to make this morning's message kind of all like conceptual. How about practically, where does it lead you? Where does it lead you in your relationships? You see, Understanding that you've been atoned for will lead you to forgive a whole lot quicker. It will lead you to to cover other people's mistakes. Enabling restoration. Are you you still trying to make other people atone for their mistakes when Jesus atoned for yours? Now what we have freely received, freely give. You know, our sin before God has been atoned for and he has extended the handshake of forgiveness toward us. But many of us live in relationships where we are making people do all kinds of things, physically, emotionally, practically to atone for their mistakes, all the while withholding forgiveness until they somehow pay back the debt. How much do people have to work for your forgiveness? All God requires of us is acknowledgement and repentance. I did it. I did it, God. I'm sorry. And God's like, my forgiveness is available. You've been atoned for. See, it goes before us when it comes to God, but what about how we allow it to lead in our relationships? Right? Like, does does it lead after an argument? Does it lead you after someone offends you? What about when someone lets you down or disappoints you or fails you? It's very quiet in here, by the way. Is, is atonement leading you forwards into restoration? Or is resentment holding you out of restoration? 
or is it payback or is it revenge? What is leading you in your relationship right now? Because the Bible gives us some really clear instruction. And this, this, this is where I, I want to I land this right now this morning. And, and then we, I'm, I'm going to do something that may translate really badly across the screen. And I'm really sorry, but I really believe that, that, that people need a moment with God to deal with something this morning in, in, in relationships in their life. And, and so we're going we're to go there at the end. Um, but 1 John says this, right? If you, if, you, if you want some scriptural instruction as to how you're supposed to approach relationship and allow atonement to lead you in your relationship, here it is. Meditate on this this week. It says, dear friends, starting at verse 11, 1 John 4, dear friends, since God loved us that much, Enough to send his son to die for us so there could be atonement. Right? God just didn't wait for someone to, to make up. He, he actually facilitated our atonement. I think that's crazy. We surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. And all who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them and they live in God. And we know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love and all who live in love live in God And God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. Do you know we don't transform ourselves? We partner with the spirit that God has put in us to transform us. It says, so so we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence. Because we live like Jesus here in this world. Because we have atonement for our sin. On the day of judgment, I have no fear because of Jesus. Not because of me, because of Jesus. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we're afraid... It is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We don't understand that his love prompted him to send his son to die on a cross to atone for our sin so we could have relationship back with him. The length that God went to so you could have relationship with him is unbelievable. He asked his one and only son to go to earth to die so that the atonement for sin could be met so he could have relationship with you. He has extended the arm of forgiveness, but atonement was required. And he said, he went, you know what? I'm going to ask my son. I'm not even going to put it on them to do it themselves. I'm going to ask Jesus. That's how he loves us. There's no fear in that love. We love using that scripture, perfect love casts out all fear. But that, that's what it means. I mean, there's no fear because we're atoned for. And that atonement was, was instigated 
by a ridiculous love for us. He goes on to say, we love each other because he loved us first. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. Glad I didn't write this. I'm glad this is just scripture. (laughs) For if we don't love people that we can see, how can we love God who we can't see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. So God's love prompted the atonement. What's our love prompting for others? I think 1 Corinthians, I'm pretty sure it says, love covers a multitude of sin. Could just say there, love atones. Instead of requiring the other person to put their hand out I wish I, had, I wish I had another one to go on Trisha's other arm because you know what love looks like? Love looks like putting both hands out. One that is atonement and one that is forgiveness. Where we cover and we stop making people make up for their mistakes. We stop holding spouses at a distance or we stop holding uh, our friends or family members at a distance because they did this or they did that. And I'm, I'm not saying we do unhealthy, dangerous things in relationships, but I am saying that our love should go before us. Oh, I just I feel like God's Holy Spirit is bringing the gentlest of conviction this morning. Wherever you are, wherever you're watching this, you know, maybe, maybe first of all, you've, you've never actually accepted what Jesus did and you're only just realizing now why it is that you can't connect with God. You believe He's real, but you're like, oh, I just don't know what's going on. Let me, you, to have a relationship with the God of the Bible, the one true God, You need to accept Jesus. You need to accept what he did on the cross, that he died for your sin so that the the debt could be paid and you could have a relationship with God. And right now, I I wanna pray for anybody whether you're watching, whether you're here, whether you're downstairs this morning and, and, and you're unsure about your relationship with God. You, right now, you can be certain You can pray with me and believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that you believe that Jesus is who he said he is and did what he said he did. I'm going to ask we take a moment right now. We're just going to do that together for anybody that that wants to have a security in their relationship with God right now. Just pray this after me. Father, I believe that Jesus was your son, that he died on a cross for me, and paid the debt of my sin. I receive right now the atonement and forgiveness and I come in a relationship with you. Amen. It's so simple, but it's powerful. It's not the prayer that changes our life, it's the belief. It's the faith, believing that Jesus is who He said He was. But I know right now the Holy Spirit is speaking to some of you. 
And he's speaking to some of you about relationships that, that, that need restoration in your life. He's speaking to you about, about uh, fathers and sons. And, and he's speaking to you about, about uh, right now there's spouses that have, have, have a disconnect between you because you're, they, they, they did something and you're trying to make them pay back somehow. And the Holy Spirit is saying, extend my love in that space. Not try to stir up your own. It's not in our own strength. It's, it's through His Spirit. It's the love that He puts in us that we extend. So Father, right now, I want to pray for every person who your Holy Spirit is, is just speaking to right now. I just pray that you'd give them the courage, that you would give them the strength to take the step to wipe away the debt, to allow love to cover a multitude of sin. That they would take the steps right now to extend the arm of forgiveness in that relationship, enabling restoration in Jesus' name. Father, I declare right now that you are healing marriages. You are healing marriages. You are strengthening marriages. You are reuniting families that have been separated for years. I'm telling you, we're going to hear about celebrations at Christmas that have family members involved who haven't been invited for a long time. But God is doing a restoring work that demonstrates His love through us, showing us that He is real Thank you, Jesus. Amen.